You are listening to the Five Acre Parables Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Five Acre Parables Podcast. Uh, You will probably hear another episode uh, upcoming very soon that we're jumping around a little bit, but this is technically the first episode that we've recorded this year. And so we're excited by that, about that. We're a couple months behind, but we're wanting to get some new content out. I'm always joined by my co-host, Andrew House. Say hi. Hello, hello, hello. All right, there you go. It has been a few months since the last time we recorded. We tried to build up a surplus before Christmas, and so it's really, we've talked to each other since then. We've talked for other reasons, but this has been almost three months since we've recorded a podcast, mm-hmm. so... A uh, lot's been going on in those three months. Anything exciting you want to share from your homestead, Andrew? I have bad news and good news. Blooms on my plumcock seedling trees for the first time. That's the good news. The bad news is we're a month and a half from our average last frost, so they're going to get frozen probably. Yeah, but... you're, they're toast. Yeah. But at least it can produce blooms. Yeah. So at least you got that going for you, but... Uh, we've had a lot of stuff going on. We've been working on a lot of things uh, not as homesteading related, been doing a lot of church related things, a lot of education related things. So uh, that's been really good to spend that time over the winter doing that kind of thing. Uh, it's been very helpful, but we're looking forward to spring because spring is always awesome because of plants and seeds and all the new life. The other day I took the two older kids when Elizabeth was having to take care of our youngest little girl while she was sick. I took them over to Prairie State Park, which is just across the Kansas border into Missouri. They were trying to restore some prairie and they had done a burn about a month ago from the looks of it and burned off the entire park, which we did not know when we went over there. But when we went over there, we already found the prairie growing back. So it's that time of year where things are growing and things are blooming. Uh, The natural world is preparing itself to be rejuvenated. And so we are preparing as well to get our gardens going. Now, this is one I'm going to go ahead and just start off by saying this. Andrew is way more the expert here on this half of the podcast, for sure. Elizabeth and I's experience with starting seeds has not always been very good. We have not gotten tons of stuff to start. And a lot of times we end up buying our plants from greenhouses, which we do enjoy. Uh, We like supporting. We have a really good greenhouse over there in Pittsburgh that we really like supporting. Uh, They're good people over there and we enjoy that. But we also have always wanted to start our own seeds. It's something we're trying again this year. But I'm not going to be the expert on that. But I, I believe... I'm going to go ahead and share a Bible verse. We'll probably talk about this again later. But, you know, Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians, he says, I planted and Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. You don't have to start your own seeds. Biblically speaking, you do not have to start your own seeds in order to be a successful gardener. You're more than welcome to buy your plants. But what we really want to focus on today is that process of starting your own seeds and what all that entails. So, I think the basics obviously are, uh, I'm going to let Andrew tell us more about this on his experience on what he's done, but obviously your basics are, you know, what are, what are you planting in? What kind of soil watering schedule, what time to start those kind of things. So take it away. So first thing you need to do is 
source your seeds and figure out what you want to grow. I will tell you right off the bat, there are certain things I refuse to start inside and then transplant out. They're just yeah. not worth it. I know a lot of people will do that with sweet corn. I was watching a really famous gardening show from Britain uh, a week ago and they were doing peas. And starting starts, them inside. Starting them inside and then hardening them off and that whole process. And I'm just like, peas are not worth it. Stick them in the ground and when they grow, they grow, you know. So the things that I go out of my way to start are tomatoes, and flowers that I really want to give them an extra boost. Um, certain echinaceas that are, are very pretty and not just your normal echinaceas. I tend to go out of the way and do that for, but tomatoes are what I really go out of the way to start on my own. So you need to source your seeds. I do that earlier than most people. A lot of people yeah. wait until the seed catalog comes out and yeah. then they'll, they'll get really hungry to buy seeds, you know? Yeah. And then $200 later, you've got a package showing yep. up and yep. you don't even have enough garden space for it either. Yep. So I tend to buy my stuff in the fall. I'm a little behind this year because we're adding some stuff and I've, I've waited a lot longer than normal, but figure out what tomatoes you want. And honestly, buy seeds of stuff you can't get at a greenhouse. If you're going to grow early girls or better boys or celebrity or something like that, it's okay if you're buying a dozen plants, mm -hmm. just go ahead and get them at a greenhouse because it's a lot of time and effort and a little bit of risk as well to start your own seeds. Once you have a process down, it's not that bad, mm -hmm. but it's not unusual for people to lose a whole tray of plants because they mess something up, especially starting out early on. Been there, done that. Or, or having really poor results. So you source your seeds from a reliable source. Uh, I like Baker Creek, Haas Tools, uh, Southern Exposure. Uh, little shout out, I'm not paid to tell you about this guy, but I buy tomato seeds from him whenever I can. There's a little guy, has he's not a little guy, he has a little farm. A bigger person yeah <laughs> he his name is curtis and he runs renaissance farm and he has oh, like 900 tomato varieties for sale it's an incredibly large number and if you want it and it's an heirloom pretty much he has it unless it's the newest open pollinated thing to hit the market from like a wild boar farm in california or something but what I really appreciate about it is he writes a personal description of them and he has a picture of them from his garden. It's not done by a professional mm -hmm. photographer. It's not that front cover of the seed uh, magazine that's trying to get you to buy it. It's just an honest, this is what I grew out of my own garden picture. So you get an idea on size. He is a lot more nuanced on describing taste than mm -hmm. I am. But he gives honest descriptions of what the variety has done for him. Yeah. And I think it's important to, to remind people uh, at this point, obviously you have the option of when you're doing this process, you have the option of saving seeds from plants that worked really well the last year and restarting them again. Uh, the next year you have the option to go through and pick out which what's working good for you and what's not. You have the option of trying to, if you're, you know, if you're hankering for your grandmother's BLT and it comes from her garden, go get one of her tomatoes 
you know, one of her canned tomatoes or something. Well, probably not canned because that would ruin the seeds yeah. being there. But you you understand what I'm saying. You have the option when you start from seed, you have the option of going and getting that tomato that you remember from as a kid or things like that. So just keep that in mind when you're sourcing seeds and when you think about seeds. This is a process that get, gets to continue year after year for yep. you. And it can be really personal and really fun and keep those family memories going. Yep. Like I haven't done this with seeds as much, but I have irises that I have collected bulbs from four or five different people, including my grandmothers that are very, all these people are very special to me. And I've kind of just smashed all those together, grown a bunch, then cut some of them and taken them with me. And everywhere I've lived, I've had these irises from all these special people in my life. And so it's a cool process if you have a family memory attached to it, I think. Yeah, I, I love to grow food with a story. And the best stories usually come from this was my grandma's tomato from a farm in Ohio or Missouri or wherever. And it gets blown up and becomes really popular, which is great. There are a few exceptions to saving seeds and getting the exact same thing back. Sure. And there, unfortunately there's one that we really like. Uh, it's called a sun sugar tomato. It is a sister to sun gold, which is really well-known hybrid they taste like little bursts of sunshine. They're really sweet. <laughs> and I don't know how to describe it other than that, but they're fantastic. Elizabeth loves them. The kids like them. And they're one of my favorite cherry tomatoes. And you cannot save the seeds and get that flavor to stay. I've tried other people that are a lot better than me have tried. And you cannot get that flavor from that, that hybrid breeding to stay in an open pollinated stable form. Uh, hmm. So if you buy hybrid Tomatoes, you're still going to get a tomato. They might yeah. not just be the exact same as the previous year, but any open pollinated or, or heirloom, it should, unless there's some wild cross pollination that happens, which happened in my squash last year, actually. Yeah. Um, you, you should get the same thing, which is great. Now, Andrew's talking about a lot of really high end seeds and really deep end seeds. What I would like to know is what is his opinion on like, walmart seeds and home depot seeds like those companies they are totally fine um dollar tree seeds they all grow uh any seed company that has seeds in a store they have to pass a germination test to be able to sell them publicly now if you're buying them on craigslist or ebay that's more of a, a crapshoot you don't know exactly what you're mm -hmm. getting but the seeds you get in walmart or anywhere else they're going to grow fine. Sure. And with the exception of the great Peppergate scandal from last year, <laughs> everything will come true to true to what you buy. The uh, uh, other thing I think it's important, and I wanted to bring this up at some other time, but we'll go ahead and say it now. Um, the only thing about those seeds and all the seeds really is you need to check your USDA hardiness zone. And you need to make sure because not all the seeds that are there in the store are seeds that you can grow. You know, Lowe's and Home Depot and Walmart does not take the time to sort out. These are the things that can grow in this area. And we're only going to send those seeds there. They just send the same 200 varieties to all their stores. And yeah. it's, and it's interesting. I also wanted to make mention of the fact, uh, I don't know if you've checked that map recently or not online to our listeners, but they updated that. Was that last year that they updated that map? And they've changed it a little bit. 
So our area, especially like Southeast Kansas, Southwest Missouri, the lines got a little more blurred between two zones than we previously were under the impression that they were. So it's very much worth it to go on, find that hardiness map and double check all of your seeds, double check your area, double check all your seeds against that. I could talk for 45 minutes on the new USDA zone and why I'm mad at it, uh, the new map, but um can you talk for 45 seconds on it (laughs) (laughs) all right so long story short that matters a lot more with perennials than seeds we live in the middle where we struggle with things that like cool weather i struggle anytime i've tried broccoli carrots stuff that really likes a cold spring Mm -hmm. I can't grow any of that very well. I can't grow turnips in the fall because we go from blazing hot and dry to not enough sunlight. Um, But most of the stuff that people tend to grow, unless you're in a really extreme environment, you can get by with on annuals. With perennials like Lowe's around here is selling fig trees, they're going to die to the ground every year. Like unless you do an extreme amount of protection, they're going to die to the ground every year and you're going to struggle to get them to grow. Um, But that brings up a really good point you need to get your timing right. Um, here, the Missouri Extension Office has a planting guide, uh-huh. which is a really good guide. And you're the exact same zone as us, pretty much, uh, roughly. We're we're close. We're a little more in the other zone than yeah. you are, but but the the speaking timing... speaking from Kansas, K K State has an extension office uh, in a town real close to us, and we've gotten a a guide from them. Uh, if you do not use extension offices, they are better than the internet, yeah. in my opinion, on a lot of things, because they are actually doing scientific agricultural research in your area. Not just, we found out in our greenhouse in California that this worked. No, they are they are studying soil in your area. They are looking at weather patterns in your area. Talk to them. Don't just post on the on a forum on the internet. Talk to them because they have local advice for you. Yep. I'm going to bunny trail on that for just a second. Years ago, I got to reading about certain tomatoes because I wanted something different that no mm-hmm. one else had in their garden. And so I ended up in a tomato forum reading a ton of posts, and I kept hearing about Girl Girl's Weird Thing, which is a tomato kind, uh, tomato breed variety i should say and so i found seeds for it got them grew them and it was eh, it was okay it wasn't that that great and then i went back and looked again all the people talking about how good it were were growing it in florida in january and a completely different growing yeah. zone completely different growing conditions and that tomato really shined in those conditions it does not do that well here in ours and so yeah there's a lot to be said for growing locally recommended uh-huh. uh, varieties. So, which is where I think where you go back to, uh, even local greenhouses do sell seeds. Ours mm-hmm. does uh, that are more handpicked for this yeah, area. Yeah, they. So if you want to, if you want to try starting seeds, you could even go to a greenhouse in your area and see what seeds that they sell and what seeds they recommend. Yeah, they sell them because that's what does well in the area most yeah. of the time. Uh, so once you have your seeds and once you have your guide and you know when you're supposed to start your seeds, you have to have patience and self-control. <laughs> Are you <laughs> serious? Of, yeah. I, 
Man, a lot I don't of, know if I have enough of that. A lot of people get so wound up to get their seed started because they're excited that they jump the gun. And if they actually do really well in growing their seeds, their plants end up way too big. They're root bound and they're struggling by the time you actually get them out, which we're going to talk about on the back end of this as well. So wait, I don't start my tomato seeds until the beginning of March. Right, we're come. We're knocking on the door of that right now. I sure. gotta get, gotta get my ducks in a row on that. Yeah, we gotta get this podcast out so that we can help you guys <laughs> get but, your seeds started. But, but be patient. Don't jump the gun. Then you need something to plant them in. You can do trays of uh, with plugs. You can do soil blocks. I am not a soil block guy. There's just too many horror stories of people struggling to get the mix right, to get their uh -huh. soil blocks to hold together and air prune right and not just crumble to pieces. The I bought, um, again, this is not paid endorsement, but I really like the Bootstrap Farmer. Uh -huh. They have heavy-duty plastic trays, heavy-duty cells to, to move your plants into, and they last. You don't have to uh -huh. buy those cheap, flimsy things that break apart and just go in the trash every year. Yeah, I bought good ones that I can reuse over and over and over and over. So then you get your seed starter mix, which mm -hmm. you can buy it from the store. You can make it yourself. I tend to make it myself. Um, just a variety of, I use peat moss, vermiculite, and oh, the other light, whatever, perlite. There we go. And mix those up at a certain ratio, breathe in a bunch of horrible dust <laughs> that I shouldn't be in the meantime, and then wet it all down. Then I start my seeds and I get really good results using a germination mat, a yeah. heat mat. I That's something to, that we haven't used that I had already, we had already talked about it that we're going to order. I, I've, done all, I've done yeah. all right without using a heat mat. I do better with the heat mat. Yeah. And I splurged and spent the extra 15 or 20 bucks or whatever it was to get a, a thermometer controlled one. Mm -hmm. So it holds it at the right temperature. So I set it at 75 degrees and it turns off whenever it warms up past that. If it gets below that in the soil, it turns on and heats it back up and keeps it right there where I want it. And that mm -hmm. really speeds up germination and holds the soil or your mix yeah. at a good temperature for the roots to grow. Now I'm going to put this in layman's terms because I feel like I'm the layman here. This is the thing that when we had this conversation a few months ago that I did not comprehend that I don't know if you realize, I don't know if a lot of people really comprehend this. We're always told as kids that plants need water, soil, and sunlight to grow. And while that is true, technically what the sunlight is providing for the first few weeks to month of a seed's life is not the sunlight, it is heat. And so it is more important to have your seeds heated than in sunlight. Because one of the big mistakes that we've been making is we have a sunroom on the back of our house and it is not hooked up. It's not as temperature controlled as the rest of the house, but we've just been putting them out there because that's our best sunlight in the house. But the room is consistently 10 degrees colder than the house. And so if the house is 60 five degrees, which is, we keep our house pretty cold. We keep it 65, 66. Mm -hmm. The sunroom is only 50 degrees. And so the sunlight isn't really doing anything for it. And that's where this mat, I think is going to uh, really help us a lot this year. Yeah. Now, when they start to sprout, yes, they're going to need actual mm -hmm. sunlight, but you can start it entirely 
with just heat. You could start it in a closet with just heat if you yep. needed to. There's a and there's also grow lights. I mean, I'm, there we're, we're getting there in a second. Yeah, but there's a trick for germination. I learned last year. Some of the big time growers will seed their trays and then saran wrap them to keep ideal moisture and heat. And then as soon as germination happens, they'll unwrap them and it speeds it up by like two or three days, which if you're trying to do that for money and you're trying to pump out a lot of plants, yeah, uh, that can make a little bit of difference. And so, yeah, they put them in a dark place in the heat, saran wrapped up and get germination. Then they pull them out and put them in light. So I use a grow light. It's not fancy. We got it off Amazon. If you have a south facing window, that's better than nothing. Uh, but unless you have a lot of light coming in a very large south facing window, that is really not enough sun. Well, a grow light helps a lot. And I'm going to add my practical experience here. Our sunroom is south facing. It has eight south facing windows and we have still not successfully gotten seeds because the room is too cold from that area. Yeah. We've done it other places before in our lives, but as we've been trying to do this uh, on a larger scale than normal, um, we have not had any success in that room with eight south facing windows. And we even, they're even, we didn't do it for this reason, but we've even had to take down trees. So there's even more light coming in and we still have not had success. So you need heat more than you need sunlight yeah. initially. Yeah, the, the heat is incredibly helpful when they're early on. Yeah. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to out myself here and make somebody somewhere that's a hippie upset. I have experimented in the last few years and used miracle Grow to fertilize them. Uh -oh. If you have your tomatoes and for two months, three months, depending on when you start them in your, uh, in your growing room, <clears throat> or we transition them outside a lot. I'll talk about that in a second. Um, they need fertilization of some kind, or they're going to be nutrient deficient. And depending on your soil mix, unless it comes pre-fertilized, it doesn't have everything it needs. And so they're going to start yellowing a lot in the leaves. They're going to start being sad plants. And I have a very light, easy, not over the top schedule for just mixing in a little bit of miracle Grow. It's about every two weeks, I'll, whenever I would water them, I shoot some miracle Grow uh, water soluble to them. And they have responded really fantastic. Once they go in the garden, it's all rabbit poop and compost and all that. But just sure. to get them to a really healthy start, I'll shoot them a little miracle grow and we haven't grown three eyes yet and if you're a super organic person then maybe you want to find an alternative to there are grow, organic alternatives it's not going to kill you yeah and also it was really cheap and it's lasting a really long time and it's shelf stable so i don't have to worry about not yeah. you know it going bad and not getting full use out of it all right so once you have your fertilizer and you're taking care of them then you need to work on transitioning them outside. My preferred way to do it, and this works because Elizabeth is home quite a bit of the time, is to take them out whenever I get home at lunch. It's a warm day outside at 65, 70 degrees. I'll go ahead and take my trays and shuffle them out to the picnic table and let them spend 
an afternoon in the sunshine. This makes it really easy to where you don't have to worry about hardening them off. If you don't ever take your plants outside and then you put them outside all of a sudden whenever it's time to plant them out, they get sunburned and they will die, which is frustrating after you put all that time and effort into them. So you're using the term hardening. Let's go ahead and define okay. that. So quick. even if you're suggesting to try to stay away from that, let's go ahead and define what So that is. hardening off is transitioning them from inside to outside. Okay. They need to get tougher to withstand the sunlight that's not coming through a window that isn't from a grow light, real, true, UV-filled sunlight. And so my preferred way to transition plants out, if you haven't shuffled them in and out, is to put them out for six or eight hours on a cloudy day. There's still sunlight coming through, but it is filtered through the clouds. And then you, you normally in the spring, it's not that hard to find a warm day that's cloudy about the right time when you're getting ready to plant them out, to stick them outside for that time. And then do that two or three days and work them gently into the sunlight. You don't just shove them in full sunlight or they will croak, which is frustrating. So you get your plants ready to, to transition out. I like to do that by putting them out in the sun every chance I get. Eventually, as it warms up, getting into the middle of April, coming up on the beginning of May, if it stays over 50 degrees, I put them in the greenhouse and shut the door and leave them outside and then open the door in the morning. And so they are used to being outside as much as possible by the time I get my plants in the garden. Then whenever you plant them out, uh, there's little tips and tricks um, for planting tomatoes. You can turn them sideways and get more root material. I don't really bother with that anymore. I know a lot of people recommend it, uh, but that's not how seeds grow in the wild. Whenever there's a mm -hmm. tomato seed, it doesn't grow sideways and root an extra 10 or 12 inches and then go up. I've put a lot of time and effort into having a good plant with a good root system, I might plant it a little bit deeper than right at soil level where the, the soil's at in the pot, but I just put them in normal and I have pretty good results doing that. Real quick, I think we should go over a list of what is not worth starting mm -hmm. inside. I can, I can add lettuce for <coughs> sure. We've had great success doing lettuce straight out. Mm -hmm in the garden and we've never had any success starting it inside. So I, that's the one I know from my personal experience. What do you, um, I think you're right on lettuce. Um, honestly, it's not worth it. I throw giant handfuls of lettuce seed out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so it's and not and, worth and starting. Andrew went out to sow and he threw giant lettuce seeds everywhere. Root crops do not do well transplanting no. most of the time. No. So beets, Potatoes. Uh, radishes, um, parsnips, if you're yeah. a weirdo, rutabaga, stuff like that. Uh, carrots, don't transplant them. Just please, put direct sow them. Please don't insult the part of our audience that likes all those plants. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to scare anybody off yet. Um, squash plants. It is not worth the effort to start squash plants inside. They do extremely well direct sowing, and the little bit of a jump you get is not worth all the hassle of trying to keep that plant that wants to grow really big from getting root bound because their roots grow really big, really fast. And you just have to keep up potting them and up potting them. Just wait and direct sow and you'll get better results. Uh, beans are not worth it because normally you're putting out 
large amounts of beans. I mean, even yeah. small bean packets are 50 beans. You're not mm -hmm. going to want to do 50 tray or 50 cells in a tray for beans. Corn is not worth it. No, definitely not. All, all of your bigger crops like uh, sorghum or sunflowers. A lot of people will do sunflowers. I do a lot better direct sowing yeah. them. Uh, so that's just a real quick rundown of the things I don't bother to, to start. And now, buy. I will put a caveat on that just in case we have listeners in other places. This is where we really highly suggest going and checking with your extension office. Because if you're in a completely different zone than us, an entirely different zone, then maybe some of these things might be worth it. They're harder to do, but they may be worth it in your zone. And that's where we would say check for sure with your extension office, see what they suggest starting inside yeah. what they don't. The, what, the what, place where transplanting some of that stuff might be worth it is where you have a really short growing season. Sure. Like you're a zone four, a zone 5A with a short summer, um, then it's worth it to get that extra jump because you're trying to squeeze all the growing you can into that yeah. growing zone. But you got to have a really short summer for a lot of that stuff to be worth it. Saving seeds is really a different topic we should cover at a different time, but if what you have started is open pollinated or heirloom, you can save your seeds and get the exact same thing back again. Yep. Uh, there are a few things to watch out for with cross-pollination. Uh, squash loves to cross-pollinate. That's the biggest one. Corn is when pollinated, and so it's hard to save your own corn unless you know for sure no one else is growing corn nearby. So not where I live in Kansas then? No. <laughs> no. Not completely you, surrounded by cornfields? No, you can't trust your corn at all. Yeah. But, um, yeah, seed saving is really something we should talk about in a different one. Sure. But um, it's worth the effort to look into it. It's not hard at all. Yeah. And then you don't have to wait on the seed catalog to come around because you have all your own stuff that you saved out of your own garden. And again, uh, you know, just keeping in mind, again, let's, let's wait on the seed saving, but even in this period of time, as you're looking at your seeds, you know, if you put down two or three rows of the exact same tomatoes and five of those do good, make sure you know which ones those are. If you see some, that rise a lot or rise is that a technical term grow a lot faster than the others and that's a variety and that's a trait that you want to keep you know kind of just keep that in the back of your mind you know if you're looking for some that start really fast and you plant down 10 of the same ones and four of them come up really fast then consider yeah. even if the rest of them grow consider only saving seeds from those plant that requires a lot of uh record keeping and stuff like that that I've never been very good at, but we haven't gotten to that point yet where we're really specifically trying to narrow down what we want for our area. So, but just keep that in mind. I'd encourage you, I would encourage you at this stage to take records. If some seed saving is something you want to do, I would encourage you to make records even at this time to help you make those decisions at the end of the season. Yeah, that's a good, good rule of seed saving in general is don't save seeds from something that's not doing well. Yeah. Save, save seeds from the best. And over time, you can actually build up to the point where you have a more locally adapted version of, of the variety, of you, the started variety you started with. Yeah. And again, I'll, I know we're not 
I want to save seed saving for later, but you know, you get the opportunity to be a blessing to other people by, mm -hmm. you know, new, new homesteader, new gardener comes into your area. Hey, I've got these seeds. You know, you're my neighbor You're right around the corner from me. I know that in my area, this has worked really well. I can tell you exactly what this area has said, you know, has done and how this has worked. So, you know, you get the opportunity to be a blessing for people, give them yeah. a jump start on their, their education instead of some of us having to learn it from scratch. Although, I'm not learning it from scratch. I'm learning it from Andrew, and now you are too. The uh, the other day, don't do this, uh, people <laughs> people on the podcast. But um, I saved a bunch of echinacea seed from an echinacea that's not my favorite, but it blooms a ton. It does really well. The yeah. bees really like it. It's just not the colors I want. It's not the size I want. And so I'm saving seeds and starting them to to grow a different a different kind. But I had a ton of seed. And so I literally got to take handfuls of echinacea, coneflower seed, and just throw it where I want a patch of wild ones to grow. So that was there a really fun experience I got to no, do. No, you can do that if you have enough seeds. In don't your... do that with your good tomato seeds. No, don't bought. do that with your good tomato <laughs> seeds. I was going to say, I was going to ask if you were throwing them out the side of the road on the way to church. Not yet. So that your, uh, your drive all the way there is just solid echinaceas. No, I... For a time, some of my fancy echinaceas hadn't bloomed yet, and so I wasn't sure I was going to get some yellow ones in yeah. a, a specific color mix that I bought. And I was marking in my brain where the yellow ones were growing on the side of the road because I was going to go poach the seeds out of the <laughs> ditch. But I got some yellow ones, so it's okay. I didn't have to so go So you didn't have that. to go ditch diving for them. No, and they have a lot better form. Yeah. Now, if you've been a student of the Bible I don't want to say at all, but really for any period of time, obviously the parables is an amazing place to start because Jesus talks about seeds so much. He uses seeds. It's a, it's an example. And this is one of the beautiful things about the way that God has created this whole system. This system hasn't changed since the beginning of time. This system has not changed. You know, the things that we're talking about and the things that Andrew's learned and that I've learned from personal experience and that I've learned from Andrew's experience, uh, these are just things we're rediscovering that God has always placed within these seeds. You know, people for the entire history of humanity have been learning this process and been figuring out this process. And, you know, before we even talk about any specific parables or any specific verses, I just think it's amazing that Jesus spent so many of them using seeds as an example because it's timeless mm -hmm. you know e even if we get into a uh post-apocalyptic world where there are <laughs> where there's nukes have gone off and it's all mostly desert people will still understand the concept of seeds i don't mm -hmm. care where you are or where you live universally throughout time people will understand seeds and so the wisdom that jesus shows in placing these lessons in seeds is fascinating to me yeah, he he was using seeds in his parables because people understood it. Yeah. Like people knew what he was talking about. Whenever the sower goes out to sow, for example, yeah. that's something that they did. Even somebody living in town yeah. knew that that's how the wheat grew mm -hmm. in the fields outside of the city. And still to this day. Yeah. To you as the podcast listeners, just because, you know, hopefully, hopefully you've picked up some new things about starting seeds today that you didn't know, but you knew how to start a seed. You knew the basics. You knew you had to put it in dirt and give it water and light. Now, the exact details on how to do that the best way, you know, that's time and trial and error and working. But 
you knew the basics, even if you've never gardened before, you knew that. And so that's, what's amazing about these, yeah. these examples to me. Yeah. Did you have a parable you wanted to start with? Well, I mean, the, the easy one is the parable of the sower. Yeah. That's the easy one, right? The sower yeah. went out to sow and we could probably, you know, skip all of the spiritual applications and just remind you, you need to till your garden or you need to do something to make your soil prepared. That's mm -hmm. the point of the parable. You need to prepare your soil, but not in a literal way, in a spiritual way, of course. That's what Jesus is saying. But we could almost just talk about, you know, the, these different these different things. Don't put plant your seeds, literally, don't plant your seeds where you're going to next to where you're going to be walking. Make sure that you've gotten all these brambles and foreign plants out of your area that you want to grow this in so that you have better chance, you know, protect your seeds from birds. And even if they all go on good ground, the parable says that there's going to be different measures of a harvest that come back from them, even yeah. if they all go in on good soil. And you can take that very literally. I mean, that's a very literal lesson on how to prepare a garden, but spiritually, you know, what's Jesus talking about here? Well, the parable of the sower is really unique because it's one of the few that we get to see Jesus answer and say, this is the exact spiritual sure. meaning yeah. of the literal lesson I just told you, you know, the, the parable that I just told you. And so obviously the seed is the word of God, sure. which is incredible whenever you consider what seeds do and and real quick almost every time that a seed is going to be used in scripture it's going to be talking about the word of god mm -hmm. almost consistently even on into paul's writings it's pretty much always talking about the word of god which i, I think is a very interesting thing that they didn't change you know they didn't use a seed as a metaphor for anything else it's always the word of god taking root in somebody's heart yeah and this is a, one of the reasons it's such an incredible parallel. And I'm going to go off on a rabbit trail for just a second. Seeds blow my mind in general mm -hmm. <clears throat> because they will sit waiting for the right conditions to germinate. You can have seeds uh, sit on your shelf for years, for decades, and then you're not going to have a good germination rate, especially depending on what it is. But you can put that seed in the ground and if the conditions are right the seed is still viable it will grow and what, so what were the seeds that they got to grow out of king tutankhamun's tomb uh there were some wheat seeds i believe they got to grow out of his they got date palm seeds from close to the time of jesus that were sealed whenever if i remember right don't quote me on this but i think whenever vesuvius blew there was a bag with date palms inside of it and oh, there were still Pompeii, seeds yeah in italy yeah yeah there were seeds still in those uh dates yeah and they got them to germinate and got back a lost variety of dates but they, Which they is can insane they can sit there there's a there's a like a 1500 year old cave bean that baker creek sells that sat on a cave shelf covered in bat poop in a little clay pot for hundreds of years and then it got discovered planted out and voila you have these ancient beans sure seeds can last an incredibly long time and so whenever you compare that to the gospel 
whenever you plant the seed of the gospel in someone's heart, you don't automatically see germination a lot of the time. A lot of the time it will sit there and wait until the conditions are just right. And then the gospel will grow in the person's heart. That's a, a challenging thing to think about, especially as people that, that really care about others and really want them to be saved. You know, we got to warn them and we got to remind them, hey, you may not have another opportunity, but at the same time, they may not really understand their need for Jesus until something happens in their life where they... Uh, you know, where they find that out. We have a, a man at our congregation who I just love talking about him because his heart is so amazing for, you know, he's so dedicated. We celebrated his uh, first birthday the other day, first anniversary of him being baptized, but I think he's 85 or 84 or something like that, you know, and he's been around churches and denominations and Jesus all of his life. And it wasn't until he, you know, he got cancer and stage four cancer and should have died and didn't that he realized, you know, I need to do something with this word that's been planted in my heart mm -hmm. this whole time. And, you know, we don't want to encourage people to wait that long. And we don't want to encourage people to wait until those events happen. We want to encourage them to take the opportunity while they have it because they're not guaranteed another opportunity. Yeah. But sometimes it's just, that's what happens. You yeah. A lot of times, I would say, that's what happens is you have to wait for their spiritual conditions and their spiritual life to be right. Yeah. So to repeat, don't delay. Today is the day of salvation. Do not delay. <laughs> but you're absolutely right. It's amazing to think about the fact that you could plant a seed in someone's heart and you could be dead and gone for decades before that germinates and grows and that person becomes a Christian and lives a faithful life. And, and so we don't always see the result. Uh, I know the parable the sower does because that is what Jesus is trying to illustrate. But realistically, if you sow the seed very liberally and throw it all over the place and uh -huh. all sorts of people's hearts, you're not going to realize what kind of an impact that has. And I like to talk whenever you talk about evangelism, exponential growth mm -hmm. and how incredible that can be whenever you start to see that happen. Whenever you see the wheat, uh, whenever you see the grain produce hundredfold, 60 and 30, you've turned one seed into a hundred in that one circumstance. If each of those 100 seeds produces two, then all of a sudden you have 200 from one little seed and it just goes yes. up out out mm -hmm. out further further until you have this huge hockey stick of numbers a massive increase and so we can see how the gospel has spread in our lives too and i'm sure you can do this the same way i can do this you can go back through your family history because we were both mm -hmm. raised in the church and go back to a point when someone shared the gospel with someone in our family. But you don't even have to be raised in the church to be able to do that either. Yeah. I mean, because you can start to go through and trace, uh, you know, this man that I'm talking about in our congregation, you know, he can almost go back to my family tree. Now, I was not the one who converted him. I don't want to sound like I'm taking credit. He learned from a lot of other people, and I, I, I call myself the closer, you know, like a closing pitcher yeah. on the MLB. I'm able to help get those last few things sorted out. A lot of the conversions that I've been a part of, I get those last few things sorted out help for them. 
and then actually get to do the baptism where most of the other people have done all the legwork there. Um, but, you know, to some degree, he can say, well, I learned from Daniel and Daniel learned from his parents and his parents learned from, you know, uh, my mom's parents and then my mom's parents, you know, she, her, my grandpa learned from my grandma, my grandma learned from, you know, you just keep going back. So there's all of these, even if you're not tracing your direct family tree, you can just sit there and jump around and see all these yeah. different ways. And and it's really cool. Like I've been enjoying, you know, I just kind of, when we started planting seeds, we just go to Walmart and buy seeds. And now that I've been exposed to these other seeds with these other stories, I think that's way cooler than just buying the random seeds off the shelf at Walmart. And I think it's the same way, you know, as Christians, I think we need to, talk about our conversions and how we were converted and how the people who we were converted by were converted and keep going, keep going, because that's that same story that brings life to it rather than just here's a seed. This is how that seed was carried to you. Yeah. And it's really cool. Cause you, in this case, you can trace the seed all the way back to Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And of so course. that's, that's like the ultimate story that comes yeah. along with a seed. Like no matter how good of a story I have with any tomato seed I grow, nothing is going to trump the story that comes along with the gospel. Yeah. Something else I think that's interesting in the parable of the sower is he sows the seed in poor locations because that's what you're supposed to do. Uh, yeah. He gives the seed a chance to grow in that rocky soil just as much as he does the good soil. Mm -hmm. And so we uh, should not discriminate where we... As literal earthly gardeners, we got to discriminate a lot yeah, about absolutely. where we plant our seeds. But that is the one difference because, you know, not all of these object lessons, every little aspect is meant to be translated over. And that's one of the things that's different you know, you spend a lot, we spend a lot of time preparing the seed trays and the mixture and all the other stuff we talked about earlier about where these seeds are going. And we spend a lot of time talking about garden beds and raised versus tilled and all this other stuff. You got to do that as a gardener if you want to, if you want the best increase. Mm -hmm. But what Jesus is telling us is, at least in this case, because it's the hearts of people we're sowing in and not literal ground. We don't have the ability to judge. Yeah, We don't have the ability to discern the hearts of people. I think that the story of the uh, paralyzed man, the paralytic who's let through the roof when Jesus says, looks at his heart and looks at the hearts of people around him and tells him that, you know, his sins are forgiven. Jesus is telling us we don't have the ability in this case, in a spiritual sense, we don't have the ability to determine the soil. And so it's not up to us to make determinations when sowing the word of God it's not up to us to make determinations about the soil yeah. with your actual seeds, with your literal physical seeds that are growing food. Sure. Do that. Yeah. But with God, he's the one who determines whether a soil is ready or not. And yeah. who knows, you know, this is not, I don't want to go too far beyond the bounds of the parable, but who knows if that seed that's planted there in that thorny area, if those thorns will get cleared away. Yeah. They there. see the seed growing there. That's not talked about in the parable, and I don't want to add on to it too much. But who knows if the cares of the world, if Jesus will, you know, if there's an opportunity for those cares to be either mitigated or, you know, an understanding come to, you know, how am I going to handle this? So the soil 
may be changed in the process of that seed yeah. of the word of God growing. We could overlap parables with the parable of the fig tree mm -hmm. and the gardener fertilizing the fig tree and giving it one more chance to try to produce, you know, yeah. and I, I think that that could be beneficial in looking at this. But also as you drive down the road, like going toward Branson, especially, there are all sorts of trees growing out of cracks and rocks. Yeah. I like you look at that spot and you'd say, there's no way anything could grow there. Yeah. Well, there's something growing there. And so that's encouraging whenever you oh, consider sowing yeah. in rocky soil. Yes. Um, the building project we're working on right now, just for the podcast listeners, my parents and I are working on an old mechanic shop. It's a Quonset hut that we're converting into a, uh, uh, an Airbnb in downtown Springfield. And, the soil back there has had eight cars parked on top of it for 30 years. And this guy has been illegally dumping oil and Lord knows what else into this soil. It's rock. There's rotting paint cans. There's all sorts of awful stuff we've been trying to get rid of. And there are still plants growing yep. in that soil. You pull back, pull back a, a fuel pump and an old grill. And there's some plants growing in yep. there. Like, it's amazing. Even even if there's toxic waste, which is not toxic waste, but even if there's toxic waste growing there, a plant is still going to come back and figure out a way to yep. plant. There. And I do, this isn't a caveat. I don't know what to call it per se, but just because we are told to sow everywhere in this parable sure. doesn't mean that you never move on from the horrible rocky soil and just stand there and throw handful after handful after handful. We can also infer from, you know, yeah. dusting our, our sandals off at an unreceptive sure. house and moving on yes. to more receptive ground that once you sow that, that doesn't mean that you stay in an argument with someone that's yeah. making fun of your sky daddy God. Yeah. And because obviously they've they've shown you through the fruits of their actions, they are not receptive. You have planted the seed. It's time to move on because the sower had a lot of ground to cover. I, I wish I knew more about the Hebrew word, but the fact of the matter is it says sower and not gardener. When we think gardener, we think of the whole process, right? Like taking it from seed to plant. But a sower, he's literally just talking about somebody who has a bag strapped to him and is throwing seeds out. Yep. They weren't the ones that prepared the, they weren't the ones who prepared the soil. They're not the ones who are going to be doing the work to keep that plant growing. And they're not necessarily the one harvesting. Yep. There's a very specific word being used here. And I think it's to remind us of how minimal yet important, but how minimal our role in this really is. Yep. And, you know, this process of sowing seeds takes, even if you were, even if you were hand planting a huge field in this method, that process still only takes a few weeks. Now, I'm not saying that that's a literal exact number that we should only work for two weeks with a person before we move on, but it's built within the parable. You're doing one job and you're doing it for a little while and you're moving it on. Yeah. And... The job isn't that hard. No. I mean, you could put a, a bag of seed around a child and show them how to throw handfuls of seed and turn a yep. kid loose in the field. It is really not that hard to explain the gospel to someone. 
Now, if somebody wants to get off on the weeds in a very deep question, there's no problem with saying, I don't know the answer to that and punting it to someone that knows more than you do in that area or something like that. But the literal simple gospel is so easy. A kid could really tell you about it. If you you know enough to follow it, you know enough. Exactly. If you are, if you are a Christian, you know the gospel enough to tell someone else about it. If you don't, then something is wrong yeah. and you need to call and, and question. And I will just say for, you know, for me as a, I use this term very loosely, but as a professional paid minister, minister, and I'm using air quotations since you can't see it. Um, I have always believed and I have always seen in my very limited years of doing this, uh, the gospel means more coming from and again, I'm using air quotes, the average person than me, than a preacher, than a, a pastor or a shepherd or a deacon or a Bible school professor or something like that. The Bible is always going to mean more coming from a average everyday sower than it is from a professional trained person. And I, I hope that our listeners understand i'm not trying to put myself on a pedestal in fact i'm constantly trying to make sure no pedestals are assigned to me in any way but i want you to understand that you do not have to be somebody with a uh, with a professional degree you don't have to be a professional speaker you don't have to do any of this it means anybody can sew you don't even have to be a bible class teacher or anything like that you have to be a christian yeah that's it you have to be a christian anybody can sew it's been a while since I've looked at the statistics on this, but if memory serves me right. It's like 75 to 80% of conversions happen because a family member or a good friend invited them to church or did yeah. a Bible study with them. And yeah. so if you want to look at how the vast majority of people are converted by the gospel, it is because someone that loves them and cares about them tells them about it. Yeah. It's not the guy that's in the pulpit most of the time, although bully for him, if he's managed to, manages to do it, it's, yeah. it's harder uh, from what I've seen yeah. for ministers to convert people than average bears. But I agree with that. But we, as everyday Christians, preachers included, of course, yeah. everybody in the church needs to make it our mission to be the sower. The sower is not relegated to just a simple group of men that are really good at speaking or anything like that. Everybody needs to make it their job to tell others about the gospel. Yeah. Well, should we move on to some of the other seed references in Scripture before yeah. we... Uh, I mean, we could park in the parable of the sower all night and, and have a great probably. podcast. But we also, in, in talking about this topic, we wanted to throw in some of the other verses uh, of that have to do with seeds. So Andrew, what else you got? Uh, the parable of the mustard seed, mustard seed. I need to enunciate Mark chapter four and verses 30 through 32. Um, little tiny seed and it grows up. And in verse 32 in the ESV has larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests mm-hmm. in its shade. And again, that I think this is a reference to the results of the gospel and the exponential increase you see in a person's life mm-hmm. on the personal level and then eventually numerically. Um, 
even if you've not been a Christian for a long time, it is not that hard to look at a family that has a lot of Christians in it. And that all started because someone shared the gospel and just has increased and increased and increased in that family mm-hmm. alone, let alone if that family has gone out um, and talked to other people. Yeah, has yeah. converted others. I'll add in, uh, I mentioned this verse at the beginning of the podcast, First uh, Corinthians chapter 3, uh, Paul in context in the first three chapters of First Corinthians is talking about, you know, the Christians in Corinth are dividing themselves over who converted them. And some of them are just saying, well, I learned from Jesus, but the rest of them are dividing up between the two main teachers they had, Paul and Apollos. And Paul says, you know, he specifically says in verse six of chapter three, I planted Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. And then verse seven says, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Now, when we talked about uh, spiritual benefits of homesteading, I don't remember if that episode is out yet. I think it is. I'm a little confused on which ones we have out and which ones we don't. But, you know, we both talked about one of the, one of my favorite blessings of homesteading is that is a very literal sense too. We can plant the seeds perfectly. We can have the perfect garden beds. We can have the perfect conditions. We can have, but ultimately it comes down to whether the weather cooperates with you and whether seeds cooperate with you. And that's all. That's God's realm. Yeah, that's, that's outside our of our control. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you want to build a greenhouse. But even then, it still comes down to the seed, to something that they don't, scientists can't even completely explain. It's the most simple thing for us because it's part of our everyday life, but yeah. they can't even explain every single aspect of how that happens. And so ultimately, it will always come down to God. Mm-hmm. And so, in a literal sense, I believe that. In a very literal sense, our food. And all of that ultimately just comes down to God. But in a spiritual sense here as well, what Paul is talking about is he's saying, you know, myself and Apollos had a hand in the matter, but it was God who gave the increase. You are saved because God saved you, not because Paul saved you and not because Apollos saved you. We had different roles in this. Uh, You know, just the background of Corinth, just to, you know, remind people, uh, Paul was involved with the church there for a, for a while. Um, I believe he was the one who planted the church there, mm-hmm. correct? Um, I should have looked that up for sure. But yes, he he was yeah, the a, one who planted. It's Acts 17 or 18. Yeah, he right. spends like 18 months there yeah. at the beginning. So Paul actually planted the church there. But Apollos, uh, according to extra biblical con- tradition that is not in the Bible, but we do believe is accurate, Apollos spent way more time there than Paul. So they both had a, you know, Paul had the joy of being one of the first people to bring the gospel to that city, but Apollos had the joy of entrenching himself there and staying there for a really long time and helping those Christians. And so. And they they needed some guidance for sure. Yeah. (laughs) They needed, well, we're only given two letters, but the uh, implication in the writing that they've gotten four letters total from Paul. They needed a lot of help, and they are not some of the more encouraging letters. They are some of the more grouchy letters. Yeah, two. Paul is allowed to be grouchy, but they are some of the craziest things that we read about in the New Testament are thanks to the church in Corinth. To their benefit, whenever he lines them out on something to do, they do it. Yeah. And so, like, I know a lot of people use them as a punching bag and look how terrible they were and all the mistakes they were making. But when he straightens them out on something, they 
listened and accepted what he said yeah. and actually enacted that in their lives. And this is off the topic of seeds a little bit, and I, I'm going to sound a little pretentious for a second, so I apologize. I have been to Corinth and been to the ruins and the museum there. Um, you know, a lot of the things that we complain about our culture, about how just sexual immorality as a whole was so public, they were dealing with the same thing. Yep. I took a picture of every statue in the museum. But I can't show you every picture of the statue in the museum because all of these public statues are at it. How do you say that word? Anatomically correct. Mm -hmm. Every detail, no fig leaves included. Every detail is there of all parts of the human body. Now, I've I've edited some of those and shown those to people, but they are dealing. I mean, you know, we have the we have the luxury of, you know, concealing our sexual sins in a phone and people not knowing about it. They didn't quite have that luxury, but they were still dealing with it just as yeah. prominently as we were. So they were going through a lot of the same things that the church in the United States is going through today. It's been quite a while since I've taught on first and second Corinthians, but last time I did, I realized and I told everybody else what a fantastic book it is for Christians in America to study because there is so much overlap mm -hmm. with our culture and their culture. You don't realize it until you look into some of the background of what was going on. Yeah. I want to, before we end, I want to go to the parable of the talents, which doesn't seem like it would overlap, but I think there is some overlap with what you were talking about in first Corinthians mm -hmm. one. Uh, whenever you get to the one talent servant that was wicked and lazy, he is answering the master and he says, master, I knew you to be a hard man, which is an incorrect assumption about yeah. God's is character. Matthew 25 for those. Uh, yes. yes. Yes, it is. In verse 24, uh, master, I knew you to be a hard man. He's wrong there. Reaping where you did not sow. He's wrong there and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. So he's wrong on all of these accounts. Uh -huh. He's wrong on the master being a hard man. He's wrong on the master gathering where he didn't sow. And, and what I wanted to overlap with that is the seed that we sow in the gospel isn't our seed. I can, mm -hmm. in my garden, I can say this is a tomato that I bred and I stabilized it. And I've been working for 10 years on getting this tomato out into production. This mm -hmm. is Andrew's tomato. I can even name it Andrew's tomato, even though he's already one of those I would out buy, there. I would buy Andrew's tomatoes. <clears throat> but whenever it comes to the gospel, the reason the sower can afford to go through and scatter seed everywhere is it's not his seed. Yeah. It is free and it costs him nothing. Mm -hmm. And whenever the wicked servant says, you gather where you did mm -hmm. not scatter seed, he is wrong. Because every seed that goes in the field that those servants planted was the master's yes. seed. And that's another thing. You know, we talked about things that are supposed to be translated over and things that aren't. You know, we get the option. God has given us the ability to understand literal seeds and how to manipulate them and you know whether gmos are a good thing or not we have the power to do that that's a whole nother podcast right but with the word of god we are not given that power yeah. we don't have the option to i'm going to refine it into something that i really think everybody's going to like yeah. i'm going to blend it into that flavor because that is where denominationalism comes from pretty much all denominations are just like you know, I am blending the word of God into 
what I think is going to be attractive for people. Uh, I get to choose what I think yeah. others want what, to hear. What traits that I want to keep from yeah. that. And while we have that power over physical seeds, we don't get that power over spiritual seeds. That's why we're told that we're sowers, not, again, not complete gardeners, not seed. Mm-hmm. I almost said seed mechanics. <laughs> what is the word I'm looking for? <laughs> seed manipulators? Yeah. No, seed mechanics. Now I have a visual image of me with <laughs> wrenches and sockets trying to take apart seeds. I've tried with a pocket knife. It doesn't go very doesn't well go for well. anybody. But in 1 Corinthians 1, whenever Paul says, I planted and Apollos watered and God gave the increase. 1 Corinthians 3, sorry. Is it 3? Yeah. I thought it was still in chapter 1. Well, he talks about, it starts talking about that in chapter 1, but that actual verse is chapter 3. Oh, okay, thank you. Sorry. So whenever in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says, I planted and Apollos watered, but God gave the increase, then the reason God gave the increase, even though they did the work, is it's the master's seed. It's mm-hmm. the master's bounty that is a result of that as well. And so that's just something for us to keep in mind as we go through our life telling people about the gospel. It's God's message. We are essentially just the mailmen that are yeah. throwing the seed into the field and mm-hmm. delivering the message God yep. gave us. It's not up to us to sort out what what's popular and what's not. Yeah. You got any other verses on seeds? Nope. All right. I got one more I want to add before we finish. Um, Galatians chapter six there, and there are actually other references to seeds other than the ones we talked about. Uh, Genesis eight twenty two talks about, uh, as long as the earth endures seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer, winter, day and night will never cease seeds as well as seasons, as well as the sun and the moon and all those other amazing parts of creation are testaments to God's, uh, eternal love. There are also other references to seeds in Genesis that I love, but those are more of a literal reference than a spiritual one. Um, There's some stuff in Proverbs about seeds. Again, we love the fact, we both love the fact that seeds are just such a prevalent topic in all of Scripture. But I guess we can end with Galatians chapter 6, in which he's uh, Paul says in verse 7, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows that will he also reap for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. You know, in our actual garden, you know, we spent a lot of time last year trying to refine our tomato plants. Uh, We spent a lot of extra time on them and then wondered why we didn't get a good harvest from the other things. Well, we spent a lot of time on tomatoes. We got, way too many tomatoes we planted way too many plants we were begging people to take them and they wouldn't take them by the end of this process you know uh and then we wondered what you know well why didn't we get a bunch of this other stuff well we didn't spend as much time on it and in a spiritual sense here paul is saying you know whatever you're going to take time to sow that's what you're going to reap back and so this is i mean this is entirely true of basically You know, we talk about seeds being the word of God, but this is one case where it can mean multiple things. One of them being the word of God, but it can mean multiple things. If you spend all of your time sowing seeds of hard work in your career, you're going to get really far in your career. You're going to get a lot, you know, you're going to get promotions and you're going to get pay increases and you're going to get job opportunities. If you spend your time sowing seeds 
uh, you know, in video gaming, you're going to be a really good video gamer. If you spend your time sowing your seeds in whatever, you know, whatever chosen thing you do, you're going to get that. And we get the option, you know, in our lives to some degree of sowing a variety of seeds. We get the opportunity to, you know, we're going to spend time with our family and our family's going to spend time with us. We're going to spend some time with our job and we're going to get something back from that. But don't expect this passage is saying, do not expect for yourself to sow seeds, you know, of your career and of your hobbies and then expect to get a, a, a spiritual reward. Yep. Don't spend all of your time sowing all of these other things and then expect to get back a spiritual reward mm -hmm. just for those things. I think you can use those things for good and there's places and times for those things, but you got to prioritize your seeds. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to go ahead and add in verse nine too. you stopped at verse eight. I'm going to throw in verse nine and let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season. We will reap if we do not give up. And that's really encouraging that there's that expectation of us as sowers, both with the word of God. And as you were talking about with how we prioritize things in our life, that whenever we make that investment and that effort, that there is a hopeful expectation and we will see a result. Yes. And the, the, you know, we talked a little bit about germination rates, right? You know, just because you plant a seed, even if you plant it exactly right, does not mean it's going to grow. But the awesome part is when it's with God and when it's the spiritual seeds, you can expect a hundred percent. Yep. Yep, doesn't absolutely. mean everything in your life is going to be perfect. Everything's going to be good, but you are going to get us. You are going to get a spiritual reward yep. if you sow spiritual seeds. Yep. The word of God. Yeah. If anybody wants to go through this episode and count how many times we said the word seed and submit <laughs> it, uh, we'll come up with some sort of prize to send you. Seeds. Seeds. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find some, we'll find some more seeds and send them to you. We thank you so much for your time for listening to us. Uh, we hope that both halves of this podcast have been of benefit to you. Let's hope that uh, my seed starting process goes better this year. Now that I'm going to have better heat sources. If you have any questions, call Andrew directly on his cell phone. No, I'm not giving you a cell phone number. I'm going to hope that all my plants don't die now that I told yeah. other people how to do it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, so if you want to see how Andrew's seeds go this year, you can watch his videos at Ugly Apple Homestead on YouTube. They are some of the uh, most entertaining videos on YouTube <laughs> just because Andrew is in them. Thank you. So if you, want to, if you want to see more about that, if you want to learn more about God's Word, we will, of course, encourage you to first and foremost, just open the Bible for yourself. But if you need help studying, we'd love it. If you reached out to us, we would love to help you study God's word. We would encourage you to go to your local church of Christ. There is There's a lot of websites that can help you find those. Go to, go to your local church and see uh, more about the seeds that is the word of God that will bring growth to your life. There is nothing that will make our day more than answering Bible questions when someone yes. has one. Like it literally makes our day fantastic well so much so that we like to make up bible questions and then call them up and ask each other yeah so there you go so if we can help you with literal seeds or spiritual seeds in any way we'd love to be a resource for you um 
if you have questions or want to be a part of the conversation, you can email us at fiveacreparables at gmail.com. And that's the number five acreparables at gmail.com. If you want to comment, add suggestions, you want to ask questions, you know, hopefully at some point we would love to get to the point where we can get a little bit of viewer interaction. I was asked tonight if it's going to be a live call-in show, and I don't think we're going to get to that point. That takes a lot of resources yeah, that we don't have, hard. but would be fun to do. But the best way, the cheapest and easiest way for us to do that is to offer you our email. Mm -hmm. We'd love to have you contact us. That that gives us time to prep answers, yes. so they're more put together than yes. live as well. Also, for those of you counting the amount of times we said seeds, Seed, 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 seed. There you go. There's five more. Thank you very much for listening. Have a good night, day, and a happy homestead and a great spiritual life. You have been listening to the Five Acre Parables Podcast. 